everybody. Welcome to Too Busy to Flush. I'm JR. And I'm Molly. And if this is your first time joining us, we are a happily married couple of four children, ages 10 through 3. And we typically don't ever have any guests on. And we just talk about whatever's on Molly's mind. This is actually just a vehicle for Molly. This whole show <laughs> is just Molly's gig. I'm the producer. Look, that she I think tells there are people do. who like your, the color you add, right? The color. Paul doesn't listen. Paul doesn't color. listen for me. He listens for you. I don't know. I would listen to you. You have to. You married me. You have to listen to me. It's true. A lot. It's true. By I the s- way, thank you guys for those of you who listened to our praying mantis episode and sent us anniversary wishes. <laughs> yeah. And thanks for sending us other random things related to praying mantises. Super fun. <laughs> yes. And if you're local, I'm going to try to dig up an article about why there are so many more praying mantises in Montana, particularly Billings, than there have been in years past, because that's a question as we've been discussing them. People have asked me, and I know I've seen stuff about that, so I'm going to look that up and have JR share that in our show notes, that there are people at actually answering the question, why are there so many more praying mantises in Montana than... We saw one, uh, my buddy Ty took me to breakfast this morning and we saw one in the parking lot and he was like, ah, trying to pick it up. And I was like, go put it in the flower pot. And it was really big. It looked like it might be pregnant. It was just really huge. They're not pregnant. They're full of eggs. It was just, it was having a hard time staying on its feet. Yeah. (laughs) So Sort of like your your wife on her fourth child when she's eight months pregnant. So Ty finally got it up and... Got it out. It was holding onto his finger. And he's like, ow, ow, it's pinching me. It's, I'm like, yeah, it's like a legit, it's holding it's on right predator. now for dear life. <laughs> 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 Which is kind of funny. Um, anyway, yeah, thanks for your comments. And um, you know, it's, it's really f- super fun to hear you guys, hear from you guys about the show. Um, and it just makes me all like, wow, people I don't even know, like, Take time to listen to us, and that's and also following our people are weird and hard. It makes me laugh and warms my heart that we haven't driven people away <laughs> with things like the praying mantis episode. You guys are still here. <laughs> that's episode sixty-four. I think she's re- referring to last week's episode. Well, it's almost um, every episode where there's something, there's something where that we should a be particular off. flavor of people would stop listening to us. Yes, and probably have and instead be like the parasite episode was my favorite. <laughs> Parasites. Oh boy, what a what a crazy world we yeah. live in. So, so I'm going to start off with a, a recipe for you guys. That's oh. not actually a recipe, but it's what I'm drinking right now, which is a frappe. And it, it's if you're crunchy, as in you you like your health, you're you're concerned about the ingredients that go into your food. Don't read the ingredient list of things that go into Starbucks frappes, frappuccinos. They're really full of stuff that natural whole foods sorts of people would squirm at. Uh, And also, they're really expensive considering what goes into a really good one at home. So I'm drinking a mocha frappe right now. And I've, I've done it if I don't follow a recipe. I do cold coffee to taste, which in this case isn't very much because I'm just drinking as much as was left over. And then a scoop of ice. We don't have an ice maker. 
We have an ice maker. We don't have a, a door ice thing. It's the bottom drawer freezer, which if you're in the market for a fridge freezer combo and you have little kids, do not, in my humble opinion, do the drawer freezer. Get the the ice in the door, even if it drives you nuts that your kids will spill ice all over the floor using the door ice dispenser. Because I tell you what, if you get the drawer and you get an ice scoop, there will still be ice all over your floor, but your kids will regularly not get that drawer closed all the way. And there's a good chance that you might not realize it, say, while you're on vacation or overnight and you have water all over your floor. And I, we moved into the house and it was a fairly new fridge and there was no good reason to replace it. But they make smart fridges now that will alert you if the door is open. So we could just upgrade to that. I had this conversation with, oh, with our, we were at, we are at, uh, a, a friend's house last night for dinner and we were talking about smart systems and I'm like, I just don't want any more smart things. He's got like a super high end smart sprinkler system. And I'm just like, I, he's like, it's really convenient. I'm like, yeah, it's just, it's great when it works. And then when it doesn't, it's like your host, it's just, you can't go fix it. I'm just so tired of smart things. I just want some dumb devices every now and then. So, yeah, a smart fridge, though, that beeps when right. you leave it cracked. Would, our, well, our freezer does that our freezer in the garage. Our freezer does that in the garage, yes. It'll, it'll scream at us. Which is really nice, because then you don't lose a freezer full of stuff. And I do really like my smart light switches on my holiday lights. So there's that. Right. I do but, like that. so I have a scoop of ice, coffee to taste, and then I use... Here's how you do it, though. And then the other ingredients, I'll throw this out, are about a tablespoon of raw honey, about a tablespoon of raw cacao powder, and then half and half. Probably, I think there's probably a quarter of a cup of half and half in here. But do the coffee, the honey, and the cocoa powder, Blend. put them all in a blender, blend it up, add the half and half, blend that up. And then add your ice and blend it until it turns into a frappe. If you add the honey and the ice at the same time, the honey congeals and doesn't blend nicely into it unless you have a crazy powerful blender. And it's still sometimes the honey sticks to the side and doesn't get blended into it. Anyway, it's a you can mess around with proportions to get it to taste. You can top it with a dusting of cocoa powder and some whipped cream if you want. You can find similar recipes online for caramel frappes but they're less natural because you have to use caramel obviously but this one is is pretty healthy and it feels like an indulgent treat and it costs pennies because i made it at home well i and i want to share a recipe with you guys too um molly buys these cornflakes that are <laughs> natural organic and sweetened with pear juice. juice and then uh she bought this organic peanut butter and, and right before the show i was dipping cornflakes in this organic creamy peanut butter and it was super delicious and before i came downstairs after you had come down the kids were all eating cornflakes out of cups while watching rick steves with peanut butter no, they didn't. Elise was. Either. She liked the peanut butter. She thing. was just eating, so I doubt they'll eat dinner before judo because they're full. <clears throat> so this is fun, you guys. Before Molly launches into something really like meaningful, um, I've got two uh, electronic music aliases and a company that makes the the really nice mixer. I have um, was running a, co- a five year contest, and they said post your favorite moments, and so I I did two 
performances, two different styles of electronic music, one under my IDJF uh, alias and the other under my Patroller alias, and both of them won shirts. <laughs> I thought that was pretty awesome. I did text them and I said, guys, I'm the same person. I only need one shirt. Oh, so I was going to say you should have gotten a shirt in Titus's size. Told him you were tiny. Pay it forward. small shirt. Oh. Because they wanted the address. They'd see the same address. So it just oh. says, like, pay it forward to somebody else. Because there's a lot of really cool people out there. So I thought that was kind of fun. I don't win too much, but it's kind of nice to have everybody from the team. And this, the guy who owns the company, who started the company, is like a really major world-renowned techno DJ and producer, and so having his whole group of people go, I like that. It's one of my favorites right there. It's like, wow. That's really that's cool. Kind of cool. And it wasn't just a photo. It was uh, at my actual original music, which is kind of fun. Mm-hmm. So. And I say that because there are some people who listen to our show that are techno fans. We talked about this. They're electronic music fans. I had a couple of messages on several many shows ago. We were talking about I remember that. that. But yeah, it was fun. So... Uh, what else? We sold the pop-up tent. Pop-up camper. <clears throat> pop-up trailer. camper. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's gone. And it was out last weekend uh, with the new owners. And I never got any texts or calls or messages. So I guess everything's okay, which is kind of cool. And um, the van's coming along slowly, but nicely. That's all in my world. Okay. And if anyone wants to buy a giant silver Spartan... I'll let it go for a really good price. Yeah. We're Uh, happy to assist you in your camping desires. Actually, this is one thing that we should, when we're talking about camping, we should touch on. Because yesterday... So on our anniversary, I floated the river on my new stand-up paddleboard. And this group of retired folks was in... When in a raft. Well, yesterday, two of the people who had rafted decided to kayak a 14-mile stretch of the Yellowstone River. <laughs> and again, this is not the mighty Yellowstone right now, you guys. This is the Yellowstone this that is... is I mean, it's, it's deep enough in some This is the infantile spots. Yellowstone that doesn't go anywhere. Well, no. It's it's the drought, mm-hmm. end of this dry season, end of the summer, very low Yellowstone, where... Places that would have literally been 10 feet underwater are now islands that groups of teenagers go go out and then they t- they literally take a uh, you know a Walmart inflatable inner tube and float down the river in it, which could be deadly on the Yellowstone in May. And it's completely mild and tame and doable on the Yellowstone in late August and September. So I had a fantastic time on floating with three other people in kayaks and me on my paddleboard. We got a great workout because 14 miles of active paddling is a lot for someone who's (laughs) never really done it. And Ty told me this morning that that section of river doesn't move. Like you have to paddle. Yes, you have. We had to paddle it. It was so beautiful, though. It made me want to take the kids on it because I thought that we saw more fun birds on that section than the section that we often do on Ty's raft with him. Mm-hmm. We saw a, a young blue heron. It wasn't as big as a full-grown one, but it was a very cool one. We saw a golden eagle in a nest in a giant cottonwood tree. And I kid you not, you guys, JR, who was 6'4", could have sat cross-legged comfortably in this nest. 
it was way up in the tree and it was massive. It mm. was we were try we were debating while we were floating. Would we call that a mansion? Would we call it a condominium? <laughs> what would be the human terminology to encompass what this how the the scale of this eagle's nest that we went by? We saw tons of osprey and they have a really unique call. We saw marganza ducks, and I learned from the guy who was kind of guiding us because he's the only one who had kayaked that part of the river before. And he also is a woodcarver of ducks. And Marganza ducks are fish-catching ducks, so they have pointed bills. And ducks like mallards that are bottom feeders and filter out mud, they have, like, squared-off kind of rounded bills. Hmm. So, And the, the Marganza ones had a really fun brown cap of feathers that stuck out from the back of their head like they were wearing a derby cap backwards just this brown backwards cap of feathers and they're 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 not as they're not as common here in montana as a mallard so anyway i thought it would be super cool to be floating and pointing out all these animals to our nerdy homeschool kids because that's what we are nerdy homeschool kids as parents nerdy parents anyway oh so to I, i wanted to say this talking about the campers i think people have the wrong impression of me because we do all of this exciting camping and things and sandy who was floating with us said something and i, <laughs> I was like no 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 no. i am a stay at home and sit on my laurels and do what's familiar and comfortable person sandy jr is the go have new adventures take the family on do new and exciting things I grew up skiing. I quit skiing because I didn't have anybody to ski with. And then I picked it back up when we started dating. And I love it. I just didn't... I don't have the initiative in me to go create adventures of my own and start things on my own. And so I I can't remember who a while ago said, maybe I'll take my kids camping. My wife doesn't want to be part of it. To which I say, do that. (laughs) And eventually, it was one of our listeners. Event, yeah, I, yeah. I just can't remember who it was, but eventually, the kids will harangue the wife enough that she will go along. And if she remembers to take sleeping pills, so she sleeps in the cabin with the four kids who are thrilled that mom is along on this camping adventure, then she might realize, well, that wasn't too bad, and it was tremendously fun to be a part of this adventure with my kids. And ease into it. And only last summer, with all of the camping sorts of things that we've done, it was only last summer when our friends Mike and Eileen thought, or we talked about going camping with them. And this was so out of my comfort zone that we went to a KOA. Was that last summer? That was last summer. Wow. At the end of July. We huh. went to a KOA. Yeah, that's right. And we, we didn't want to admit that we went to the KOA. I was... I was texting Brianna and getting advice from Eileen because I didn't know what food to bring. I had no idea how to prepare to clothe and feed and pack for this family adventure of two nights at a KOA. (laughs) (laughs) And while I thoroughly enjoy it, I would never take credit for doing that because if I were a single mom, I would not be doing any of these sorts of adventures because I... I don't have, I'm too much of a safety zone 
sort of person in and of myself. So to correct any any lofty any lofty misconceptions that some of you might have of me, <laughs> uh, I I do new adventures because I tag along with adventuresome people. And I am not easy to get along with, so I'll put that out there too. Just throw that out there. I like Wait, adventures, you think that's but I don't a lofty think... No, people, I just people might hear me on the show and be like, "I could be his friend." I, uh, it's not that I don't want friends. It's that I'm just I don't mean to be, but I can just be a real turd. You know, an yeah, abrasive I do know. a real abrasive turd. I do know. Yeah, it's really hard. <laughs> I know. So we are speaking of camping, we are entering an interesting new phase of our of our lives in terms of children and parenting. Titus has expressed the interest, at least uh, this year, especially of starting to do some more judo competitions, like the, the competitive judo circuit. Um, so we have, you know, we have one more. We have kind of a judo team of older kids, uh, mid late teens, and they're all very very good. But they kind of travel around to all of the international, or not the international, the national judo tournaments. And one of the kids is our competition coach's son. He's a church planter here in uh, here in town, and he um, and he was a former uh, Olympic uh, team uh, judoka. He, uh, he 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 walked tried onto out the Olympic team and worked out with yeah, him. Yeah, worked he out with him the entire. So, um, but he he is a he's a world gold class. medal gold medal sambo, which is like a Russian form of judo anyway um and he's been invited to the international circuit but anyway so titus the team is doing a big tournament in dallas in october and i don't really feel like i want to commit just yet but there happens to be a a little smaller tournament in salt lake city so i think um titus and i are going to jump in the van and drive down to salt lake for this tournament and see how he does and if he still likes it because he may get his butt kicked (laughs) and then he doesn't want to do a tournament (laughs) all that time and effort and you're out in two matches and you're like hmm that was it so it'll be it'll be an interesting new stage of our of our lives moving forward and you're selling the stroller i'm trying to and did you have the osprey backpack out to sell it or would you use that to haul around no i i'm gonna i had faith in it i'm not gonna sell it till the end of till probably next summer when she's Way too big for me to carry. And I was kind of laughing last night. I mentioned that all of our friends with kids our age are millennials. They are. So I... Old Gen Xers. We are. But I... Speaking of kids getting old, my mom's birthday was last Sunday, and I asked the kids to make cards for her. And we gave her StoryWorth, which, if you haven't heard of it, is kind of a cool service if you have the right grandparent who wants to take advantage of it and it's they send you uh the the person you gift it to they send them a question a week and about their life history and then they respond via email as much or as little as they want and at the end of a year you you can edit all of the writing you can add pictures and then you get a hardcover book with all of the stories the family history that this person has just slowly had you know somebody else prompts and they're really interesting question prompts like the one for this week for my mom is what was your favorite toy as a child Mm. uh so anyway we were giving her that which meant we didn't have a tangible present to give her 
And Elise was devastated by that. She wanted something tangible to give her. So, and Elise and my mom share this love of Cloud Monet, and she always, she calls them Cloud. So, Elise, I printed out a Cloud Monet water lilies uh, coloring page for her, and she filled it in with Elise's six. She filled it in with oil pastels, and it ended up looking really cool. But the older two kids, especially Titus, wrote really sweet notes to my mom. And it made me think, we're turning a corner in parenting in that I used to joke about mom birthdays or Mother's Day, you know, where, mm-hmm. how, was, how was your birthday? Well, I not much different than a normal day, except I started out with higher expectations of how people would treat me today, and my kids still... Uh, flooded the toilet, which happened this afternoon. It's not my birthday, but we had a flooded toilet this afternoon. <laughs> uh, my kids still threw fits. They still spilled spilled things. They still refused to eat. They still wasted food. I still did the dishes. I still changed diapers. And then I we had a dinner that my kids wanted to make me a special dessert, so I made myself a special dessert with extra quote-unquote helpers, and then I cleaned it all up and had an exhausting time putting everybody to bed. It was a mom birthday. <sighs> And same thing with Mother's Day. Oh, it's just another normal Sunday of schlepping your crew to church, except then maybe you have to take them to a restaurant after church where they're all stressed out (laughs) and they're hungry and they're angry and they're throwing fits and they're sitting on the restaurant floor. And then if you're lucky, they have to go to the bathroom because they haven't been home from church until brunch. And then they're crawling around on the bathroom floor. Anyway, Mother's Day, (laughs) mom birthdays. But our kids... Our older kids are turning a corner where they're not throwing as many fits, and they understand that birthdays and things are special, and they actually are able to do something that is a blessing and is not extra work, which is cool. I look forward to having our kids keep turning into real people where we have real relationship with them that is not extra work in the way that a mom birthday creates extra work even to give your kids the maybe there's a god metaphor here god doesn't have birthdays but god lets us feel like we're blessing him and he stoops to do things and it's just so much more work for him than if he just for example just made the dinner that he wanted and had the dessert that he wanted instead of having his toddlers insist on helping choose and make the dinner and choose and make the dessert that they think is going to make mom's birthday special but it's just actually not mom's favorites and is actually a ton more work and mess for mom but God delights in us, his children, so much that he makes himself a ton of extra work for the sake of relationship. So funny. We have no idea what we're doing as parents. I don't have any idea what I'm doing as a parent. We do. No idea. We no, do. I don't. Yes, we do, because we have an end goal. We don't know how we're getting to the end goal, but our end goal is we want kids... Not growing up to become pimps no, and not- hoes and drug dealers... Right. In the positive, we don't know how to get there. But even with all the academic stress of being a homeschool mom in charge of your kids, we want our kids to grow up happy, fairly well-adjusted, whatever that means, loving God, which we don't have control over, but we pray and trust God for that, 
and knowing that they are loved by God, even if they don't grow up to become believers. If it as so far, insofar as it depends on me, it will not be because they didn't grow up hearing God loves you, God delights in you, God God has you in his hands, God calls you to himself, God makes promises to you. And I that that is the end goal. They will grow up and say maybe if they grow up and despise our faith and say, ugh, all my mom ever talked about was, and she, you know, I was 17 years old, and she's still saying to me, Jesus loves me for me to go to sleep, because she said that's the last thing she wanted me to think about when I went to sleep at night. If if my kids reject the faith and remember that as their upbringing, that's between them and God. And for a while, we just wanted to keep them alive. Well, there's that too. That's still, that's, that remains a challenge. <laughs> Speaking of which, though, so the main thing that I wanted to talk about today, I have so many ways to go with this, but our the sermon that our pastor preached on Sunday, I had a zillion thoughts for it. I probably could have several hours worth of conversation on it. He was preaching on Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the Lord. Where does my help come from? My help, help comes from you, the maker of heaven and earth. That's as far as I can do from memory. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. And it goes on and on. Uh, First of all, I'm going to make this a little aside. This wasn't in the sermon. But my understanding of this psalm was, it's a psalm of ascent that the pilgrims sang while they were going to Jerusalem for their multi-times a year festivals that they would do and go to Jerusalem for that was in the sermon but when they say I lift up my eyes to the hills it's actually not a I'm in Montana and I'm looking at the mountains it's a metaphor and they're no it's not a it's, metaphor that's what I'm it's saying. a contrast it's not a metaphor it's not oh look at the Montana mountains they're so big and majestic what a majestic god who made all of them it's actually a contrast because if you know anything about pagan gods they dwell in the mountains Zeus is in the mountains, and he may come down sometimes to the peons, people, and deign to interact with them. But the people had to had to look to the mountains for their pagan gods and for the hope that they hoped to receive from their pagan gods. Whereas, even for Old Testament Israel that did not have an understanding of the Trinity and a holy and an indwelling Holy Spirit. And an incarnate God is with us, Emmanuel God, they still had the tabernacle and then the temple, which was our God is with us. He's not out there somewhere. He he brought us out by his a visible presence in from Egypt in the cloud and the pillar of fire. He then tabernacled with us in a tent and the re- the presence of God was in the tabernacle which is why it was dangerous for priests to go in there but it was still comforting for them to know our God goes with us and is with us and so I lift up my eyes to the hills where does my help come from is that my help does not come from the hills my help comes from the Lord 
who made heaven and earth, who is this great creator God, but he's also the here with me God, which obviously gets so much richer when we understand John 1, that the word became flesh and tabernacled among us, that it wasn't a tabernacle that still had layers of curtains and we would be struck dead if we actually enter the presence of God, but that we beheld God's glory face to face. So the thing that struck me in this sermon was the uh, the word the phrase that he keeps you is repeated six times in eight verses. So the point of this psalm is that this God who made made heaven and earth and who has the power to to protect you from the sun and the moon and everything else, the great creator God, he is with you and he keeps you safe from from all harm. And there were just a zillion ways that I ended up going thinking about applying this, but the first one was I now I'm not asking a rhetorical question, but I'm asking you a real question right now. And you guys who are listening can also think about this in your brains while I ask JR. He asked if you were talking to someone, say, on a pagan island who's never heard of God, never read the Bible, has no preconceptions of the Christian God, with what characteristic or aspect of who God is would you lead? Personal. In making your God? Mm-hmm. He's, a, the- he's a personal, relational God. And that springs to mind because, for me, there are no other deities throughout um, history or mythology that are personal and relational um, that you can you can uh, at least in our uh, covenant now you can freely access um, and that believe that they know you personally and care yes, for you and they will and care so I'd probably lead with that I I think that I would lead with merciful because I'm particularly mindful these days of the contrast between the Muslim Allah and the, and they say Allah is is merciful, merciful, but what does that mean? That's exactly why I would want to go with personal because Allah is not a personal God. That's true. But, but what I would say is, is we are assured of mercy through Christ in the Christian faith and Allah, while they claim that he's merciful, is very much not because he's mercurial. You never know what mood he's in. Is he feeling merciful today or is he feeling wrathful? Is he feeling and and the Christian God blends perfectly mercy and wrath and justice and forgiveness in a way that defies human comprehension and explanation even though there are good explanations but if it when it really comes down to it why would god do this to sinful why would he be merciful to sinful beings it has to be rooted in okay now i'm going back to you (laughs) it has to be rooted in his deeply personal loving character that's rooted in 
the I have we talked about I'm sure we have we've talked about the book Delighting in the Trinity uh, yes and how God is an inherently Kick the microphone God is an inherently <clears throat> relational God because he is eternally in loving perfect unity relationship in the unity and diversity but mercy can freely flow out of his character and we can count on his mercy when we come to him through Christ because because of Christ we can count on mercy and we never have to wonder if we're going to get God on a good day or a bad day because his character is constant in that way but I thought that was a really interesting thought experiment because not only does it help you think about how you would explain God to somebody who had never heard of him which actually is most of America right now if we're honest mm-hmm. And but it also the the more pointed question is that that raises the question of who is God to you and what is the most important aspect of God's character to you. And I think that posing it in this hypothetical out there realm is revealing of our hearts and of what we most deeply value about who God is Mm -hmm. in in our relationship to him. Uh Another thing that I loved in this sermon is his talking about the the keeping. And he he made a point that resonated with me a lot for I I spend a lot of time thinking and talking and teaching and researching uh modern sexual issues i.e. the whole LGBTQ and not only how do I help the people in my world understand the craziness going on, but then how do I try to articulate the good and the beautiful and the true that's the contrast to that. And our pastor quoted Ryan Anderson's book, When Harry Became Sally, that's been banned from Amazon, where Anderson points out that there's 56 different gender options, and this was a couple years ago, uh, available to choose on on Facebook or whatever. And uh, this whole beginning of school, you guys, it is so out there. I don't even think I could think of 56 different genders. Uh, it's it's I I don't either. I mean, it, it, it's just so Romans one on display. When you start going down the downward spiral of human depravity, and when God unmoors us from an objective standard of truth, there really is no bottom to the creativity of human depravity. And I feel like this is just Romans one that God has turned our culture over on very full display. And when I said the beginning of school, I saw this, I can't remember on Instagram who, who shared this, but it was a, a, what kindergarten teachers who use this particular curriculum were supposed to be teaching kids on the first day of school. And it's a, it's a picture book helping kids quote unquote, explore their gender identity. And there's this picture of a little girl walking into school and you're supposed to say what do you guys see in this picture and then when someone pipes up oh it's a little girl walking to school they say you you can't assume that that's a girl and immediately 
disarming these poor kindergartners who have all of these heteronormative binary assumptions about the way the world works because kids' brains are designed to create categories to make sense of the world. So when you have a little kid who's learning to talk, I mean, even Faith, she's three right now. She'll sit, she'll sit and she'll say, I'm a Dural and Wee-Wee's a Dural and Weese is a Dural. That's Lily and Elise, our other kids. And Dural is girl, if you don't speak toddler. <laughs> and Mommy's a Dural and Daddy's a boy and Titus is a boy. And we rehearse this because to her, it helps her understand her world. And it's not me saying these things. They're self-evident truths to her because her brain is designed to make sense of the world and she's taking her experience of the world and putting it into helpful, truthful categories. And so this book or the this curriculum that teachers, it was being displayed on Instagram that teachers are supposed to say is to start dismantling this kindergartner's understanding of the world the minute they see a picture of a little girl walking into her first day of school with her backpack on don't assume that that's a girl just because she has long blonde hair and a ponytail and she's wearing a skirt it could be anybody and there's two sides of the same coin first of all it's incredibly psychologically harmful for kids because all of the growing up that kids do, all I believe that a lot of fits that toddlers throw are because of their sin. I also believe that secular psychology that helps us to understand how our kids' brains work help us to manage fits that are not necessarily the result of our kids directly sinning. So their brains get overloaded with information, their brains are tired. We help them learn how to train their brains to keep making sense of the world and their the the little kid brain thrives on predictability, on schedule, on like their entire mental health depends on Thing, and understanding the world in a way that is predictable. You know, when what's mom going to expect of me when I get out of the car? What what should I expect when I walk into school today? If it's completely different every time a little kid goes to daycare, if it's different daycare providers, if it's a different schedule, if they mess with the classroom, it totally screws a little kid up because their brains need to know what to expect in order to make sense of all of the other new things that they're constantly learning. And so it's deeply harmful psychologically, actually, I believe, to deliberately unmoor a child's brain from things that they have intuitively done to make sense of the world, i.e., that's a boy, that's a girl. <laughs> and so so it's, it's harming children by unmooring them from the truth, but, and this is where the Ryan Anderson point from the sermon comes in, he he believes, I don't know if this was Anderson or our pastor making the point, but either way, I think it was a powerful point, which is the the array of genders is people seeking to find 
identity and an anchor point because they have been unmoored from the truth that God made them and that God keeps them. And so going back to what do I hope our kids will grow up to be like and you know, given how much Titus struggles with math right now, maybe he'll grow up to be a fantastic engineer or anything else that requires math, financier, doctor. Maybe he will grow up to work with his hands and he will have a deep and abiding belief. Well, hopefully either way, a deep and abiding belief that God made him and that God keeps him no matter where he is and no matter what he's struggling with and no matter what he's like. He is kept by his maker. And so those two things go hand in hand. And when you take, you sever a culture from believing that you have a maker who made you in a way that he calls perfect, and that you have a maker who is continuing to keep you in all the different ways that that keeping entails you you're on your own in life and that is deeply unsettling and sends you on all sorts of incredibly destructive paths including i believe the spiraling of the lgbtq identity issues that seem to be striking closer and closer to home for all of us these days Yeah, I thought it was the visual that, uh, so our church does um, communion every Sunday, and beginning with COVID, we started um, moving up front and collecting our own communion off the trays from the from the leadership. And um, with the kids, um, whatever age they determine for that particular child, for the, for the younger kids, uh, there's usually an exhortation by... Uh, and a promise by the pastor, one of the elders. And in this case, the pastor who gave the sermon, Rolf, was um, at the end of the line. And so he knelt down to the kids and he said, Elise, come here. And he came up and gave Elise a big hug. And he said, this is keeping. This is what God does when he keeps us. It's that visual of God coming near to us, hugging us and holding us. And, you know, you have that same visual no matter what it entails, no matter what you're going through in life, no matter if you're on the offensive, you're on the defensive, there's always a God there who willing, who's protecting you, taking care of you, holding you in forever, keeping you, which I thought was a nice, um, which I like that visual a lot. Mm-hmm. Here's where I was, I... Not that I feel like an armchair quarterback right now, but the normal blessing that we get, the benediction at the end of the sermon is actually, I don't know if you guys have heard this before, but but the Bible, if it were an internet document, would be full of hyperlinks. So if you were to then click that word, keep, it could, it in in the Old Testament... Hebrew person's mind, it would bring up other references to where keeping is, and they're all interrelated. And so it it paints this whole picture 
of not just Psalm 121, but this whole picture throughout all of scriptural history of what it means to be kept by God. And the classic one is the benediction that we usually get, and he didn't use that benediction, which is fine, because I thought he made a bunch of excellent points, even beyond what we talked about from the sermon. But the ironic blessing, so I had to look up the rest of the verses around this, but the ironic blessing in number six... You're referring to Aaron. Aaron, yes. So God tells Moses, say to Aaron, this is the way the priests are to bless my people. And then it's the classic, I'm going to pull it up so I don't get it wrong, because I always jumble the words, but it's the classic, speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you, keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So shall they, the priests, put my name upon the people of Israel and I will bless them. So a couple of things in that. This is something that the priests, the intermediaries who are representing God to the people are to say to the people of Israel. And so I I could be wrong in this, but I don't think I am. I think that when somebody who is singing Psalm 121 as they're going to Jerusalem for a festival and they hear the word keep six times, in Psalm 121, don't just hear the word keep, they hear the entire ironic blessing packaged into this little little bomb of the word keep. So the whole bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you, give you peace. And then the Psalm 121 also uses the the God's personal name Yahweh multiple times when it talks it doesn't say uh adonai or elohim you know it doesn't use a generic word for god when it says god keeps you it's yahweh keeps you yahweh keeps israel or all six times of keep in psalm 121 and the end of moses's instructions to aaron about the priest blessing the people are this is how this blessing is how they put my name Yahweh upon the people of Israel. And of course, the ultimate time when we hear in scripture about God's name being upon his people is in the book of Revelation when his name is written upon us. And I know I've talked about this before when I talk about the mark of the beast is not a microchipped Mm -hmm. vaccine or a tattoo or a credit card or Apple ID. It's, it's, <laughs> Did somebody actually say that. I, it, it, there's all the things, right? Uh, Apple ID. <laughs> but it's, it's an internal uh, because it's, it's a mark of ownership. You put your name on your dog's collar so that if somebody finds your dog, they know to whom your dog belongs. You put, when we're out in public, we, we're, we're ghetto. And if we go to the fair, or we're traveling, we just use permanent marker and write our phone numbers on our kids' like inner thigh or somewhere where it's not super obvious. But the kids then know if I get lost, I show somebody this phone number and they can call me. Name implies belonging and ownership. And so in the book of Revelation, you take the mark of the beast that shows that you belong to Satan. 
you take, which is, it's a sign of allegiance and belonging. It's not something that you actually physically do. And the, the counterpart to that, because the book of Revelation is all counterfeits in the real thing. The real thing for that is God's name being on our foreheads, which is a mark of permanent belonging to God. So the consummation of the ironic blessing, the Lord bless you and keep you, is God's name being on us, permanent keeping. And I thought that was a kind of cool mm. link that I, this, it probably would have been a distraction in the sermon because there were so many other things going on in it. But I love noting that the Lord bless you and keep you is part of the part of our identity as God's children. Hmm. I can I, keep talking if you No, don't. I had. <laughs> I'll link in case you guys want to listen to it and in the event it was recorded and uploaded. I'm not really in part of that world anymore. I will link the sermon uh, in the show notes. So if you're if you want to listen a little bit more to what Molly has uh, what Molly's referring to I can do that um, no there was something I, I had so many random they're all literally all random thoughts going through my head so nothing that really was totally relevant to what you were talking about it's just rabbit trails here and there and everywhere yeah. so but we're almost out of time anyway hmm. how do you feel about that I feel okay define out of time like, do you want me to keep talking? Are you going to switch subjects? Maybe a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I will just say this quickly. In church on Sunday, in church on Sunday, I sat down next to a fellow mom of four girls, three younger and one who's quite a bit older. And she said something to me about, I like your shirt or something. And she always looks very nice and put together. Which so then it surprised me when she said, "I'm, I, I I'm not a girly girl," and it I'm always surprised that God gave me four girls because I'm here stu- stewarding all of these girls, and I'm not a girly girl, and I also am not a girly girl, and so I hear him stewarding three little girls, and they had all taken a bath together on Sunday morning, and I jumped in the shower while all three of them were in the bath. And I had noticed that they were very much watching me get in the shower. And I tried to not be weirded out by them looking at my body because, and then, oh, that's what it was. I I put on jeans after I got out of the shower. And both of our older girls, the eight-year-old and the six-year-old, also then wore jeans to church, and they usually wore dresses to church. And they wore them with cute little booties, and they looked really, booties as in shoes, and they looked really nice. But I, it just made me very conscious of the fact that these girls are really watching me right now with the question of, they just must be at a developmental stage of what what does it mean to be a girl growing into a woman well and that's what my thought when you mentioned that uh to me in the car on the way home and i thought well maybe that's just because it seems like in our particular circle there are so many girls so like many just girls. 
every family with the age group in our world is just all girls. It's just everywhere. Um, and I don't know if it's something in the food we all ate growing up or what, but I did, I did make the comment that maybe it's God's mercy and blessing on culture that we have all of these non-traditionally girly girls raising a pile of biblically feminine women. And, and so you have, like, we're going to have, I mean, honestly, we're going to have Elizabeth and we're going to have Elise. And you can, they're both girls, but you cannot get probably further apart in in what, you know, so it, the lesson you're teaching is that femi- being feminine, being a woman is not about how you look or how you behave. Mm-hmm. It's about how you're born and what you what your what God gives you when you come out of the womb. And more than that, going back to the being made and kept by a good creator and a good God who is like a father hugging his daughter, taking care of her, you don't have to have some gender stand just some gender normative thing about what you look like or what you wear or what you're mm-hmm. good at in order to be the woman or the man let's be honest like there's a lot of boys in our world who are not stereotypical manly men and that's okay we encourage however god created you with your tastes and your gifting and your capacities god is has a special deliberate plan for you in how you live out your maleness or your femaleness and it has nothing to do with the culture's expectations of you it has everything to do with you believing that god made you the way you are and and that is good and living faithfully before him in in that and I think that, I don't know, I just, I continue to be baffled by the idea that a little kid would walk into kindergarten and say, don't assume that the person sitting next to you is a boy or a girl. What do I assume? Do I assume that the chair I'm sitting in is going to hold me up? (laughs) Right. (laughs) But anyway, the, it's, this culture seems so baffling to be raising kids in, in some ways. And in other ways, it just seems like like the opportunity to shine forth the goodness of God's truth is being handed to us on a silver platter. Because what better to say to a kindergartner than, God made you a girl, and that is good. And I, I think this is a good moment to exhort everyone that if you guys, if, if you don't have a community with which you can comfortably live out your beliefs you need to find one. We're we're getting to the point, I think, in culture where it's going to be harder and harder and harder to be to live what we believe. And if you if you deliberately isolate yourself, or even unintentionally isolate yourself, and all you do is surround yourself with people from work or people from you know wherever wherever your your you know your sports team or whatever the case is, and they don't share your religious convictions, they don't share a biblical understanding. You need to. It's going to be really hard for you. And that's where and having... your kids are going yeah. to think that you're crazy. 
unless they live in a community of like-minded people. And if you, you so you need, like, we're not, I don't believe we're called to withdraw from secular culture, but we need to have those internal communities where we can encourage, we can protect, we can preserve uh, biblical truths that then we can, from that, from that point, then we can go out into the, into the wider world. So if you don't have a community, get involved in one, find one, make it, make it a very uh, deliberate part of your life. Like rather than saying, oh, well, I've got small group this week, uh, but I've got a game that night. So I'm going to, I'm going to skip, uh, I'm going to skip small group so I can go to my basketball game or, you know, I've got this activity or that activity. Those things should be reversed. Value that community like your life depends on it. Because it probably will. Because it, given how our culture is moving, it very well could. Yeah. Anyway. Um, that's my soapbox. So, guys, thanks for listening. Thanks for joining us. Um, if you want to respond or you have anything you want to say or some thoughts that run into your head, you can reach out to us primarily three different ways. You can send us a postcard on our website, toobusytoflush.com or tb2f, the number 2f.com. You can send us a message on Instagram. You can text me at 406-318-7136 and Molly sees everything that comes in too, so she'll she'll get them um, or I'll share them with her. You can also send us an email at tb2f at pmpapamike.me. Um, so we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear your thoughts on anything we've had to say to say today. Um, and any, you know, we just love hearing from you guys. Um, the most biggest compliment, um, you could give us is to share us with your friends. So we really appreciate that. It's how we, it's how the show grows. And if we benefit you, we might benefit somebody else. And I know that it's getting hard. Like we said, reaching out to encourage one another is really important. So anyway, Thank you so much for joining us. Like it's just so cool that people that are not my mom listen for or my mom. <laughs> spend an hour with us. Like, wow, this is pretty nifty. So anyway, that said, I'll throw up show notes. Uh, I'll uh, look in the show notes for various links to stuff we talked about today. And if you have any questions or anything else, reach out reach out to us. We're always around. And um, I think that's it. Sounds good. Cool. All right. Have a great week, guys. See you next week. <laughs>